Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eCampus News' podcast on the latest and greatest happenings in higher ed tech this month. I'm Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. In this episode, we tackle some of the guts of higher ed IT. What are the systems and software that keep the back end of institutions running? And what are some of the new technologies coming down the pike that administrators should be analyzing right now? Let's dig in. First, Another episode, another acronym. Have you heard of ERP? Igor Efremov, he's the head of recruitment for a company called iTransition, posts an insightful piece on one of the relatively common techniques in other industries, but is still yet really not being used in higher ed. Here's his definition of ERP. He writes, enterprise resource planning solutions help companies coordinate the work of various departments by integrating all the necessary information within one shared database. While ERP systems are traditionally associated with manufacturing, they now support organizations in multiple sectors, education included. As the digital transformation in schools, universities, and other educational institutions is picking up the pace, ERP adoption is gradually increasing, and this trend is forecasted to continue goes on to give some reasons why uh, the ERP setup works well in higher ed. First, he writes, time is an invaluable resource in any industry. Through automation, ERP systems speed up day-to-day tasks from payrolls and procurement to fees and admission. Automating error-prone processes help institutions avoid wasted time resulting from human inaccuracy in accounting and administrative work. Also, similarly important is the flow of information. With ERP, all the vital data is collected in one place and structured for maximum ease of access. The staff can effortlessly track inventory, purchases, attendance, teaching progress, and more indicators. Built-in communication tools enhance the cooperation between students, teachers, and back office managers. Additionally, The digital document format ensures higher safety and compliance standards than traditional paper-based records. He goes on with a number of different reasons for the use of it, as well as some really interesting hands-on tips on what to get it done. You want to read further? Go up onto ecampusnews.com and search for the title, All You Need to Know About ERP in Education. Next, another example of a technology that accelerated during the pandemic but looks like we'll be sticking around once we're out of all this madness. And it's the idea of virtual campus tours. Angelina Lawton, she's the CEO of a company called Sports Digita, puts together some interesting points on the pros of having these features on your institution's website. Here are just a few examples. She writes, digital campus tours offer unmatched reach and control. Universities can now connect with the prospect 3,000 miles across the country as easily as the in-state candidate who lives a half hour drive from campus. Digital pitches can be optimized to work as effectively on a smartphone or tablet as a computer, a far more dynamic, targeted, and affordable outreach method than any mailed pamphlet campaign. She goes on, digital campus tours also offer the desired consistency of messaging. The transparency of a video format tells students they're receiving the same pitch as other prospects, ensuring a level playing field. 
Angelina also goes on to give a few direct tips for any institution looking to implement this sort of technology. Number one, she writes, evaluate your budget. And if you haven't already, establish a digital first strategy that may require consolidating budget from different departments and getting creative to ensure the proper tech investments are feasible. Next, research digital solutions that empower prospects to access virtual tours and university info at their leisure. Building in that flexibility, creating on-demand access is a more desirable experience for prospects, more organic and less of a sales pitch. And finally, dedicate internal champions to digital recruitment strategy to ensure technologies are implemented and used correctly on a department or university-wide level. Quality control is a must when implementing unfamiliar tech. Now, I agree wholeheartedly with Angelina. Past five years, even before the pandemic, while I've been taking campus tours with, with my kids, I do feel that nothing replaces an in-person experience, especially when you're trying to do the vibe check on where a student is going to go to school. However, you know, when we were forced into the pandemic situation and a lot of these features got really, really slick, I won't say it's a replacement, but it certainly is a compliment to after you return from an in-person event and can use these tools to, you know, reacquaint yourself or remind yourself or the student of certain parts of a campus or particular size of a dorm room. It really is quite effective. Next, Keith Rajecki, he's the vice president of industry strategy group for the public sector of education and research at Oracle analyzes another emerging technology that is infiltrating the higher ed space. This is another one you may have heard bandied about, but aren't really sure what it means. His piece is up on the newsfeed under the title, Five Areas Ripe for a Blockchain Boom in Higher Education. He writes, blockchain hasn't been much more than a buzzword in higher ed, but as the validity of blockchain is proven in industries like banking, automotive, and healthcare, higher ed needs to examine ways it could be used to improve its own processes. In a nutshell, a blockchain is a distributed database compromising chronological groups of data stored in blocks, with each block linked to the data of the last. It is secure because any tampering or changes in the chain can be easily detected because the block's cryptographic hash wouldn't match. For institutions entrusted with some of our most valuable information, transcripts, diplomas, and more, not only can blockchain ease verification, but it can also improve audibility, privacy, and information sharing. Okay, so maybe that doesn't completely clear up what blockchain really means. It's certainly difficult to explain. If you go up onto the site, you can see some infographics that probably make things clearer. But Keith goes on, and he itemizes five different areas which you can really see how the application can work. I'll wet your whistle with three of them here. Number one, secure credentials. He writes, perhaps the most prominent area where blockchain is being used in higher ed is credentials. Historically, things like transcripts and degrees require a manual verification process that can take weeks and is prone to human errors and, and even fraud. Blockchain streamlines this process by making it easy to verify transcripts and degrees and certifications digitally. Delhi University, for example, awarded its 2022 graduates 
with digital degrees through something called Semarth e-governance. It's a software with blockchain technology developed by the university. A second idea, accreditation. He writes, this technology has the potential to improve other paper-heavy processes like accreditation, a long endeavor laden with complex processes and loads of documentation. This information must be produced, certified, shared, and tracked every three years in order for an institution to pass accreditation. Blockchain can be used to certify documents and information that must be shared with accrediting bodies. Institutions could conduct the process at a lower cost with a high rate of accuracy. And then finally, number three here, student finances. Blockchain can streamline and secure the payment of tuition and fees. A few institutions, including MIT and Georgia Institute of Technology, have experimented with accepting Bitcoin in places like the campus store. Some schools have put together ways to tokenize their campus payment cards, which can also reduce operational costs. So again, here's an example of something you might not know how it works, but you can see why it works. So that about wraps it up for this episode. Be sure to check back on eCampus News for all the latest and greatest news and analysis for what's happening in the higher ed ed tech space. Remember, eCampus is always free and always trying to help innovative educators just like you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan for eCampus News.